Pavakama Daf Mem Beis. So we are starting a few lines down here, four, five lines down. Mem Beis Meralaf Tani Idach. So we're looking at the phrase Ubal Hashar Naki. The owner of the ox is clean. So we tried to understand what what that refers to. So yesterday we had a few different understandings. One approach Baal Hashar Naki is that he's totally wiped out. He's cleaned out from having any value in this ox that killed a person uh, to the extent that even the hide. The hide, forget about the meat, even the hide is awesome. The Gemara said, maybe we know that from somewhere else. A different interpretation of Baal Sharnaki was that he's free. He's free from paying anything. So what did that mean, coming to teach? We said, and maybe it comes to teach that if it was a Tom, there's no half kofer. Kofer, the kofer payment is only if a muad gores and kills a person, then you pay the full, the full price, the full value. But if you don't, if, if it was a Tom, you don't, there's no idea, there was no idea of paying half. Yesterday we saw that Rasha, Rabbi Akiva was not happy with it. The reason Rabbi Akiva was not happy is because Tom, anyways, you only collect miguf ha So, and the guf ha here has no value because it's being stoned, it's being sentenced to death. So why do I even need the Pasuk to say that Tom doesn't pay uh, half kofer? That was his issue. The Gemara worked it out. Maybe in certain cases there's only one witness. The Gemara worked out a case. Maybe it was, it was trying to kill an animal, kill the person. Cases where the ox wouldn't be stoned, you still would have thought there'd be half kofer and the Torah is telling you there's not. So now we're going to see how other Tanam Darshan Apalasharnaki. Tani Idach Palasharnaki. Basically, the Amr Nakamid Mei Vlados. It means owner of the ox doesn't have to pay the value of the fetus. So what are we talking about? So we're talking in contrasting to a Pasuk in the Torah, Parshish Mishpat. We're talking about when two men are fighting. Let's just get the case. Kinatsu Anashim, the Pasuk says you have two men who are fighting and they strike a pregnant woman and they cause a miscarriage. So one is striking, he seems to be hitting his friend, but somehow something goes wrong and he strikes the woman. And there's no fatality, the Pasuk says. There's no fatality. It doesn't kill anybody besides the fetus. Only thing he kills is the fetus. So it causes the miscarriage. So what's the halacha? There's a value that he has to pay to the husband. There's, a, there's this idea that there's a demay which has to be paid. There's a value to that. So here, the Torah comes along and says, that's all when one man is striking another man. But here, what happened? Imagine you had a scenario like that. An ox was in a fight. And somehow something went wrong and it struck a pregnant woman and it caused her miscarriage. The halacha is that there's no payment in that case. Balashar Naki, the owner of the, of the ox, is free. He's free from ever paying extra things like the Mevladas. So I'm a You think you need a Pasuk for that? The Pasuk says when men are fighting, Anashim, men, Veloshvarim, not oxen. So what Rabbi Akiva is saying is you don't need the Pasuk of Balashar Naki to tell me that. You just need. Uh, you just need to read the Pesukim and see that it's only it's only with Anashim and not and not Shvar. So the Kamara obviously turns around and says Shapik Kamara Rikiva Rikiva is arguing really well. How does Rabbi Yosei respond? Why do I need Ubal Sharnaki to say your potter from the Mevladas? I would say like this that the Drasha is um, I would say is, it, it should be expounded as follows. Anashim, but not oxen that are like men. What does it mean, oxen that are like men? In the sense that they're totally muad, right? Because remember, Adam is muad la'olam. So maybe the Torah, Anashim shvarim, I would say is only two muadin. Manashim muadin, ashvar muadin. In the case where it's a muad, that kills the fetus, that's where there's a ptura. But maybe I would have I would have implied from that, hotam, but if the ox was a tam and it caused the miscarriage, mechaev, I would say you have to pay for the fetus. Therefore the Torah had to say balashar naki to say that that, the, that even he, the owner of the tam, is potter from paying. So listen to what the Gemara is saying. The Gemara is saying, I would know a muad is potter, because it says an ashvalash farm, but I would have thought a tam is chayev, and that's why I need balashar naki. So the Gemara responds to that. Come on, if you know a muad, 
Yehud is potter, you're going to think of Thomas Chayev. The expression that the Gemara gives, Amar Rava, Yitziva Ba'ara, it's very strange. The, the person who's more noble, the citizen, is down here on the ground, and the foreigner is up there in the heavens, meaning it's backwards. What do we mean it's backwards? The, the Torah is always more stringent with a muad over a tam. So if the Torah, if the Torah exempted the owner of a muad, you know, because it says, then obviously a tam is potter. You don't need an extra pasuk to say that a tam is potter once I know that a muad is potter. So if I know that a muad is potter, obviously I don't need that a tam is also potter. So we're back to square one. Rabbi Yekiva is arguing a great point. You don't need uh, for Tmei Vlados if it says Anashim Veloshvarim Elam Arava Yitzchich you need it like this I would have started off in saying that the Anashim but not Oxen excludes a Muad Ox and then I would have said as you just argued all the more so through Kavachomer a Tom animal would certainly be absolved that's what I would have said for sure a Tom animal would be Potter Says the Torah, Balashar Naki, in a case of Tom. Tom Potter, Umuad Chayef. To tell me only the Tom is Potter, but the Muad is actually Chayef. So, meaning, what's actually coming out here, it's almost like a double negative. The first the Torah says, Anashar Veloshvarim. At that point, I, I would say Muad is Potter, and all the more so Tom is Potter. But then the Torah says that in the case of Balashar Naki, the Torah is saying someone is Potter. So I say, oh, you know what the Torah is telling me? That the only Torah when an ox that does it is only a Tom, but a Muad, the owner of a Muad, would actually be liable. So by telling it to me twice, we end up learning that only the Tom is Potter, but actually the Muad is Chai. So the Gemara is trying to come out with at this point, is that um, Balashar Naki telling me that a Tom doesn't pay is actually coming for then the reverse implication that maybe a Muad that struck the fetus would pay. However, the Gemara doesn't buy this. Why don't we make the same drasha by humiliation? What does the Torah say? Balashar Naki, what did we just say? That is coming to tell us that only a Tom is potter from paying for the fetus. So why don't I say that only a Tom is potter from paying for Boshes and we should come out of Muad has to pay for Boshes because where does the whole thing come from that animals don't pay for Boshes? Meaning, only when a person strikes somebody else is there a payment of Boshes, but not animals. How do you get that whole thing? Because it always says men. So why don't you say the whole same shikul Only men who cause humiliation pay, but oxen don't. I would say that even a Muad ox the time of the and all the more so Kavachomer, Tom animal would certainly be butter. But now, says the Torah Balashar is Naki, only the owner of the Tom is Potter, perhaps from paying for humiliation. Why don't you deduce that the owner of a Muad is liable? Maybe Taka, the owner of a Muad animal, has to pay for if the animal humiliates somebody. Let Rabbi Yosef add that point in that the Torah is telling you that the owner of the Tom is Potter from paying for the fetus and from humiliation, implying that the Muad would have to pay. So evidently, even Rabbi Yosef Lili is not saying Balashar Naki is only a Tom coming to infer Muad is Chayv. So let's just come up for air over here. Where in the, what in the world is going on? We have a drush from Balashar Naki. He's Naki. The owner is Potter from paying from Demei Vlados. Rabbi Akiva's point is, I know that already because it says Anasha Veloshvarim. The Gemara has proposed that it's actually coming for an inference. Balashar Naki is coming to say only a Tom is Potter from paying for the fetus. But actually a huge novelty if it's the owner of a Muad and the Muad aborted the fetus, then you do have to pay. What the Gemara is jumping on that is saying, well, what about every other Torah that you thought existed for oxen? Why don't you put that into Balashar Naki and say, oh, the Torah is coming to teach you it's only for Tom that you're Potter, but for Muad, you're Chai. For example, paying for humiliation. If your ox humiliating someone, until now we say, of course, you're Potter. Why don't I say, no, this that you, of course, you're Potter, because the Torah speaks about my people. The Torah is coming to say here, Balashar Naki, you're Potter only if it's a Tom, but really, if it's a Muad, you'd be obligated. And Rabbi Yisrael should throw that in as well. 
and say Balashar Naki is going on to Bevel Lotus and Boshis. The fact that he doesn't do that shows us that we barked up the wrong tree. It's not that we're coming to say only a Muad is potted from the Bevel, only a Thomas potted from Bevel Lotus, but a Muad would be Chayv. So what then are we coming to say? Abella, Ella, Abai, Varova, Ami, why, again, if I have Anoshim Velo Shvarim, why do I need Balashar Naki? The answer is as follows. We have to take, in order to understand the nice Kamar, let's take a step back. What does the Torah say? Two men are fighting. They don't kill, but rather they abort the fetus, you pay for its mevelados. What if they would kill? So who, kill who? So let's first start simple. The Pashup shot is if they, if they would kill the woman, what would happen? So not only do they abort the fetus, this guy who's trying to strike his friend and kill him, instead he throws a bad punch, it knocks the woman out, kills her, and, and it causes the abortion. In that case, the Torah is much you don't pay for the fetus. You see it in the power. Because the Torah says, below Yasun, there was no fatality. You just caused the miscarriage. Why? Because if you caused the miscarriage and what and you killed the woman, then you have Kim Lebitaramine. You're a murderer. You killed the woman. Now, since you're alive, the more Hummer death sentence for being a murderer. So therefore you're potter from paying for the Mayvlados. That's the biggest by the way, that's the source of the Torah for Kim Lebitaramine. This possible. You don't pay. So on that, that's maybe what the Diak is saying. By men who are fighting, where men are high of that, there's a din that if they would strike the woman, if there's no death of the woman they strike, they're punished for paying for their fetus. But if there is death in the woman, they're not going to be punished monetarily. They would get the death penalty, and therefore they'd be pots for paying for the mayvlados. However, oxen are different. Maybe it's not for a true for oxen. Let's say he caused the death of the woman. The owner would still be punished with a monetary payment because... Since the ox's owner is not getting a court-imposed death penalty, it's his ox that's going to get killed, not him. There's nothing wrong with making him pay for the Dmevladas. Maybe that's what I would have said the Pasuk is coming. Therefore, we do need Balashar Naki. We need Balashar Naki to tell us um, we need Balashar Naki to tell us that the owner is always pay a potter from paying for the Dmevladas. So the Gemara has answered his question very simply. You thought, you know, from Anashim Veloshvarim, you don't pay for the Dmevladas, why don't you need Balashar Naki? The answer is no. Anashim Veloshvarim, I would say, it's coming to tell me a different deal. By oxen, even if there's fatality in the woman, you're still going to pay for the, the abortive fetus because there's no killing the Dravene, which could be relevant here. In order to understand the next question of the Gemara, you got to know a little bit background. This whole interpretation, V'lo ye asun, ha ye asun, your pepater, all makes sense if you say a big chiddish, that if I'm trying to strike person one and kill him, and instead I strike person two and kill him, that I'm chayv misa. Then it makes sense to say, ha ye mi asun isha, if there would be fatality in the woman, I'd be pater from the mevulatus, because of kim l'dramine. Reb Shimon doesn't hold like that way. Reb Shimon m'sechah sanhedrin holds, if you're trying to kill Reuben and you kill Shimon, you're not, you're not, there's no, there's no, there's no death sentence for doing such a thing. It's not a good thing to do, but that's, if, unless you have kavana, that's not an act of murder. So Reb Shimon learned the pasuk different. Not in ha ye mi asun if there's fatality in the woman, but it means if somehow there was fatality in the guy that I was striking. In other words, I, I struck someone in the same Isa, I killed the person, and I also somehow at the same time aborted the fetus. Not a fatality in the woman, but fatality in the in the person I was killing. But if I try to put that here into the ox, that's not going to work. In other words, I could say up in the I could learn up in the ox, Pashup shot, that it, 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 if, I, it, it, if the ox would kill the, the woman and the fetus, then it would still pay. But if I'm trying to get it to focus on the thing it's trying to do and kill it and get to there, then the case gets thrown off. As the Gemara says, you think it's just a matter of killing the woman? It depends on the intent of the murderer. Only if he had intended to kill the person is there a Torah of Kim 
So the whole implication that the case of Kimli Dramani that applies to people, but if it would be my ox and wouldn't work, that's hard to figure out if you'd want to put that in, uh, into the case here according to, um, according, according to the Tana of Rabbi Shimon. Now, it's not so simple. What's so hard about it? Why can't you just say if the ox was trying to kill another ox and inadvertently, you know, because of that, it also aborted the fetus. In that case, he would still pay for the fetus. Like, what's so hard? Why does the Gemara... Just because Reb Shimon can't learn fatality in the woman, he has to learn fatality in the person you strike because Reb Shimon holds you have to have intent to kill in order to be a murderer. What makes it, uh, what makes it so, so difficult over here? So it's not so simple to understand the Gemara, but for some reason, the Gemara gets thrown off by the scenario once you have to make the fatality in the person you're trying to strike. So the Gemara, Lamaisa works with it. The Gemara comes back and says, it's okay, we'll make it work. In the case of men, if they intended to kill one another, then even if there's a death of the pregnant woman, they still have to pay the mamon because, like Rip Shimon says, there's no Kimli with Rabbi Mine there since they're not trying to kill the woman. But if they tried to kill the woman herself, they wouldn't be punished. If they were trying to kill the woman, if they wasn't trying to kill the man, if they were trying to kill the woman, then there wouldn't be Kimli Rabbi and there'd be Pater. However, Lo Shvarim, that is not like if what happened with the oxen. Even if they intended to kill the woman, they would still be punished. So all the Gemara has to do to switch it is make that the Pasuk, is that if they were trying to kill the woman, you have to like change it. It's like a weird case because the men were fighting, but then one of them decided to kill the woman and killed her and the fetus. Then he would be Pateras Kimli according to Reb Shimon. But in that case, an ox would still be Chayav because there's no Kimli since the owner is not getting a, a court uh, death sentence. No, says the Torah, that the owner is still absolved from paying for a miscarriage. Says the Gemara, he interpreted the Brisa the way we just interpreted from Rabbi Rabbi. So now we are done with that interpretation of Rabbi What is Baal Sharnaki coming to say? An ox that causes a miscarriage, the owner will never pay for the Mevladus. That's the Chiddush of the Pasuk. I don't I know that because it says, Ki anashim, anashim No, I would have said Anashim means only Adam that caused fatality has a Torah of Kimlai B'tirah but if it would apply to an ox, the Kimlai B'tirah does, doesn't, doesn't make sense, therefore the owner should still pay. That's what I would have thought. That's what I would have been holding from Anashim Farm. So that's why I have to need Balashar Naki. The Gemara just digressed to get that hard subtlety. What exactly is the case of Ki where there is Kibla bin Ramni. According to the Rabbanon, when I'm trying to kill one person, I kill another person, I'm a murderer, it's that I tried, intended to kill person A, and then I inadvertently killed the woman, I'd have Kimli. According to Rabbi Shimon, that's not true, because I'm not a murderer, according to Rabbi Shimon, unless I'm a chavin to the person that I kill. According to him, it would have to be that you intended to kill the woman, and you caused, you caused the, the miscarriage as well. And again, I would have said, ha an ox, which is dom I would have said, you're still high of, because there's no killing to Ramani, and that's why I need Balashar Naki to tell me that you never paid to me blood. All right. Says the Gemara, Tan Yidach, another price of Balashar Naki. What are you Naki from? Rabbi Omer, Naki mi Dmei Eved. You're Potter from paying the Dmei Eved. Remember what happens? Um, what happens when a muad ox kills a when a muad ox kills a um, a slave? What's the halacha? So you have to pay shloshim. You have to pay thirty. 30 shekels, right? It's like the kofar for killing a slave is thirty shekels. So what the Torah is saying is that I is that a tam does not pay that. If a tam kills Balashar Naki, it's Naki Midmei Eved. He's potter from paying from paying for it. Okay. Says the Gemara, top of the Ahmed Beis. What is the Chiddush of that? It sounds like without that, I would say uh, if, the, if the tam killed the slave, I would have to pay from it. But wait a second. 
Remember yesterday, Rabbi Akiva said there was don't you don't need a pasuk to say a Thomas Potter from Kofar. What was Rabbi Akiva's reason? Because you collect anyways from the Guf Hashar. All payments of, of Tom are collected from the Guf Hashar, and the Guf Hashar when it kills someone is valueless because it's going to be stoned. Therefore, there's nothing to collect from. So why do I need a pasuk? That's where Rabbi Akiva screamed at Rabbi Lezer yesterday. How did Rabbi Lezer respond? Okay, maybe there's one witness. Maybe it's a case we're not being killed. let you should have that same problem here. The name of Rabbi Akiva the Nafshei Top of Base. Let Rabbi Akiva say to him himself the same objection that he raised against Rabbi Eliezer about Kofar yesterday. And the whole payment comes from a Tom ox only comes from the body of the ox itself since it's a Tom. And the Tom has no value because it's going to be executed for killing the slave. So the carcass is forbidden and benefit, so there's no value to collect from. Let the owners of the ox say to the slave's master, bring the ox to the court and it will pay you. Meaning, I'm sorry, it's getting executed. There's nowhere to collect from. So why do I need a Pasuk? Why do I need the Pasuk to say your potter? If a Tom gores that your potter from paying the, 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 the dummim of the value of the slave, the Shloshish Golem, anyways, there's nothing to collect from. From talking about a case where you knew it was going to be judged. Smart. And this is always something you. It's interesting the Gemara didn't bring this up yesterday, and that's what the Gemara is going to get back to in a second. But you could be smart if you know that your ox kills somebody, and that means it's, it's awaiting a court sentence. Right? You're going to get a summons in the mail. Bring your ox to the court. It's going to have a day in court, a day of reckoning. You know what you could quickly do? Go shecht it. Yesterday we learned if you shecht it, it's also about no. That's all after it's judged in court, and it's has a sentencing on it. But before it's sentenced, just run and shechad, it will be mutter. So in that case, what would the halacha be? Why don't I say in that case where he did the wrong thing and did it, circumvented the court, why don't I say then, if that occurred, then it should, the, the shloshim shkalim could be collected from the body of the ox. In that case, there's value there, it could be collected. Since the ox should be put to death, even though the owner went out and slaughtered it before, it could formally, you know, be sentenced, the slave's master is still not being paid for it. So you need Balasharnaki in that case. So then, the same way Rabbi Akiva is saying that for himself today, so why didn't he say that for Rabbi Lezer yesterday? Again, the only difference between Rabbi Akiva and Rabbi Lezer yesterday, Rabbi Lezer yesterday said, Balasharnaki is that if it kills a person, you're potter from Kofar. If it's a tam, and today Rabbi Kiva is saying, if it killed a slave, you're potter from paying, paying the the shloshim shkalim. It's the same thing. So let him say that. Let Rabbi Akiva defend Rabbi Lezer. That why was he so upset yesterday? Rabbi Lezer's drasha that you're potter from paying half kofar could be a case where he slaughtered it before the the sentencing. Says the Gemara Hachanami. You're right. Rabbi Kiva was aware that Rabbi Lezer could answer that. He thought maybe Rabbi Lezer had another reason why it was necessary that was better for Nehemiah, and he would tell it to him. So it's interesting. Sometimes you ask a question, you know it's not such a good question. He wants to see maybe there was a better answer. Says the Gemara Lezer, So why talk to Rabbi Lezer not answer that yesterday? Remember, what did Rabbi Lezer answer? It was necessary in a case it was one witness or where it was inadvertently had killed. Why not just answer that it refers to a case where, where, um, that it refers to a case where it was shechted before the sentencing, instead of saying a whole complicated answer. Says the Gemara, Amalach, Rabbi Lezer would answer you as follows. In the case I gave, where it inadvertently killed, it was trying to kill, a per, uh, uh, kill an animal and kill the person, there the ox is not subject to being put to death, to death at all. Like, that's the pshat. It's not mechuy of misa. There I would say you should be liable for half kofar, because it's not going to be killed. It's not because you ran and slaughtered it, it's just the etzem, not chayiv misa. It's her that's why a pasuk is necessary to exclude the payment in that case. But if your whole case is where it intentionally killed, where it really should be put to death, to make kar who it's meant to be put to death, just you circumvented the, the court by running and, and slaughtering it first, you don't need the pasuk that even if you slaughtered it before, it became asr and benefit.
it that you don't collect from there. In other words, it's logical that the Torah would not intend that in such a case monetary punishment should be collected from it because there's no, that's not a legal possibility. In other words, you don't make a halacha for the loophole in the case. You make halacha for what should be. So if the halacha is that the act should be brought to court and be sentenced and have no value and therefore there's nothing to collect from, then that's the law. The Torah is not going to make a din that, no, in a case where someone did the wrong thing and didn't bring it to court and now it has value, what is the halacha? Now you could collect the the chetzi kofer. You don't, it's pasher. It's pasher that the Torah wouldn't say such a thing. You don't need a pasuk in that case. You only need a case, you, don't need, you only need a pasuk in the case where it's within the confines of the law. Like it didn't intend to kill, so you're not killing the ox. And still the Torah is saying that you don't collect the half gopher. Says the Gemara, well, that's too good. Right? Our whole answer that we're giving here for Rabbi Akiva seems to fall away. What are we answering, Rabbi Akiva? It's the Balashar Naki, Naki from paying the Shloshim Shel Eved. We're trying to say, why do we need a Pasuk if there's nothing to collect from? We're trying to say, because of, oh, he went and slaughtered too quickly. You don't need a Pasuk for that. That same exact point would be true. You don't need the Pasuk to speak within the loophole. The Pasuk should only speak within what the law should be. El Amaravasi, we need a different answer. Again, what's the answer? Why does Rabbi Akiva, Balashar Naki, Potter from paying Shloshim Shal Eved? Of course, you're Potter from Shloshim Shal Eved if the ox is sentenced to be to death. Ella Amar Abati, Hai Milsim, Pigafer, Rabbi Shmili. I heard this from a great person, Madam Israel Bachanina. He explained this file. What does, again, what does Tom pay? Normally, Tom pays half damages. What if a Tom gores a person? So we had this back on Daflam and Gimel. Most Tanam say also only half damages, even if it kill, even if it injured a person. Rabbi Akiva held not. Rabbi Akiva held that when a, when a person is damaged from an ox, even if it's Tom, you pay full damages. Rabbi Akiva held of a chumrah for an, a Tom ox. When it injures a person, you have to pay full damages. The ox was a muad, even though it's only a Tom. I would say so. Then the payment could call me aliyah. Because an ox that's muad pays nesik sham and aliyah. So if he pays tam, shachav of adam pays nesik sham. I would say he pays min aliyah. If it pays min aliyah, so who cares that the ox is valueless? Who cares? Maybe the demay, the damim for the shloshim shel eved could come min aliyah from any property that the owner has. Because rachman of balasharnaki, that's when we need balasharnaki to say no. The owner of the tam is always potter from paying for the shloshim. So what we're answering is this question does not apply to Rabbi Akiva. Rabbi Akiva Shita is that when there are damages done to a person, you pay Nezik Shalom. So he holds that basically clapping damages to a person, Atam is like a muad. So you could collect Lachar, even, even Menaliyah. So that's why I need the Pasuk Balashar Naki that you don't pay Shalom Shalavid from Atam. Says the Gemara, you forgot what we said on Daflam and Gimel. This is like an expression, which means like you have a very strong blow and you blunt the force of the blow. Which means even though Rabbi Akiva has this extreme opinion that when a Tom injures a person, you pay full damages, it's not Minaliyah. It's limited to Migufo. We saw that in Daflam and Gimel, Even though you're paying full damages, you might think you have to pay it from any property that's owned. No, the halacha is that it's treated like a Tom that gores another animal in the sense that it's only collected from the body, not Minaliyah. So even though Rabbi Kiva says you pay Nezek Shalim, but it's only Migufo. So if it's only Migufo, our problem comes back. If you only collect Migufo, and the din is that if it's executed to death, then it has no value. So why do I need a Pasuk Balashar Naki that you're Pater from being Shloshim Shalavid? There's nowhere to collect it from, which is exactly the problem he asked in Rabbi Lezer yesterday about Kofar. Now the Gemara is saying, now that Rabbi Kiva Darshan said about Shloshim Shalavid, he should have the same problem himself. What is going on? It was necessary. It's only over here by paying the Shloshim Shalavid. I would say here, 
maybe you don't have to collect mikufa, maybe you are, it's, it's more chamer and you collect even menalia. The, 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 the tam that kills a slave, killing of a slave is more chamer than killing a regular person. It's more chamer than damage only collecting mikufa. Why? Where do I see it's so chamer when you kill a slave? If it's a free man, what's kofar? The value of the victim. If he's worth a sella, you pay a sella. If he's worth 30, you give 30. But evid, with the evid, it's a flat fine. It's always 30. Even if he's only worth one sella, you still have to pay 30. I would say, if a tom kills a slave, you always have to be stringent. And I would say that the payment could come even not from the ox, that the, the payment should come from any property which the owner of the ox owns. So even though Tom usually only pays me gufo, I would say paying for the Eved is an anomaly. Even if it's a Tom, l'chayra, we should be machmer, you should pay him an aliyah, because we see the Torah was so machmer on killing of a slave, because the Torah says that even, any value that the slave has, you always pay 30. That's why I need Balashar Naki to say, nonetheless, the owner is Pater. So the Gemara is giving us a very simple answer. Balashar Naki, you're Pater from paying the Eved. Why do I need a Pasuk? Of course, the sentence of death it has no value, there's nowhere to collect from. The answer is, I would say, when you kill a slave, when I ask a slave, you have to pay an aliyah. It should go against all the rules of Tom, because killing of a slave is very chamer. Because you pay, since you pay more, that's why I need the Torah to say, Balashar Naki, your Pater. Now we see a price which darshins it up like Rava. Balashar Naki, Rabbi Kiva says, What does Naki mean? Naki mean to me, Eved. You don't have to pay for the, for, the, for, the, for the 30 silver coins of an Eved if it was killed by a Tom Ox. If you're going to ask, Follow Dinu, isn't that a Kavachomer that you don't pay? And the Torah holds that when a Muad Ox kills a person, you have to pay Kofar. And when, and, and I'm, I'm sorry, well, let me start the other way. When it kills a, a slave, you have to pay 30 coins. When it kills a, a regular person, you have to pay kofar. Just when it held him liable for killing a free person. It's only a mua that you have to pay. But if it's a tam, then you don't pay kofar. So too, when it kills a slave, I should say it's only a mua that pays 30, but not a tam. So it's just tam. Why would I think? Why would I think a tam would pay? I know when it kills a free person, you, you, it's only a mua that pays. So killing a slave should be the same. Vod, furthermore, Kabbal Homer. Not only should I say it should be the same, it's even a Kabbal Homer that it should be the same. A free man, you have to pay the whole value. If it's worth 50, you have to pay 50. Still, you said it's only a mua that you have to pay for, but it's not if a tom that kills your pater. If you think about it in a way, slave is more kuladik. Why? You only pay 30. Even if the slave is worth more than 30, you still only have to pay 30. All the more so that if it's a tom, you should be pater. So meaning, what's more chamer? Kofer or shloshim? In a way, kofer is more chamer. You have to pay the value. Even if it's above 30, shloshim is only 30. So to what do we say back to that? Why do I need a pasuk of Sharnaki? Lo, just the opposite. Evid is more chomer than a free person. If the free man is worth only one, you only pay one. It's only if he's worth thirty you pay thirty. Evid Whereas by the slave he's worth even one, you still pay thirty. So the Gemara is arguing exactly the way Rava did. The price is arguing that killing a slave is more chomer because even if he's only worth one, you still pay thirty. That's why Sharnaki says that your potter from paying for the payment of a slave. So let's, again, come up for the air at this point. Balashar Naki in Rabbi Akiva means you're Naki from paying the Shloshim Shalavet. The Pater from paying the Shloshim Shalavet. Only a Muad has to pay that, but Tom is Pater. The owner of the ox does not pay Shloshim Shalavet. Why do I need that Pasuk? Just like Kofar doesn't pay if it's a Tom, so too uh, the Shloshim Shalavet shouldn't be paid. The answer is, 
is that there's something more chamer about paying for 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 shloshim shalavid than than kofar. What's more chamer? The bigger chamer is that the fact that I pay thirty, even if the value of the slave is less. Now it's fascinating because the bride in the beginning initially looked at it mamish the opposite. In a way, paying a shloshim is more kulatik if the slave is worth more than thirty. So what would you say? Paying a, paying a flat fee of 30, is that more kuladik or more chomadik? I mean, depends. That's what, you have to, you got to look. What's the average value of a slave? It's fascinating to me that the Gemara doesn't look at that. There's no average value. We don't look at data and start figuring it out. The Gemara comes out, the fact that even if he's worth one, you have to pay 30, represents a greater stringency than the fact that even if he's worth 50, you only pay 30. That's what comes, that's the way Mar ends up looking at it. Or Al-Kabbalah, the way to look, say it is, there's an aspect of stringency which we can't ignore. And therefore, I need the Pasuk Kabbalah Sharanaki to specifically say that if a Tom kills a slave, you don't pay. Even though I know by Kofar, if a Tom kills a person, you don't pay Kofar, but I still need Pasuk Sharanaki, you don't pay, you don't pay for the slave. Now, this is a bit of just a, an additional point, a tangent. We're talking about Pasuk Sharanaki for the moment. Tanarabanan, Hamas, Isha, Isha. It says in the, in the by Ephemuad, if it kills a man or a woman, what's it saying by it specifies a woman? It's coming to tell you, you pay kofar for killing a woman just like killing a man. That's a, it's a, we already have that pasuk. We know there's kofar for killing a woman. So why, why do I need why do I need uh, the Torah to add this again by Mord? We learn a new halacha. Let's say it, 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 there was um, uh, payments which were owed to a man, and he dies before he collected it. Then the damages are given to his yarshin, right? Not to his wife. It doesn't work like that. Who yarshins? Who yarshins a, a father? His children. So too, a woman who dies before she collects, who do her damages go to? Her yarshim, her relatives, not to her husband. The chiddush that we're saying is that even though a husband normally inherits his wife, but he does not inherit payments of damages that were owed to her. Big chiddush. Normally he inherits her. So is that really true? A husband doesn't inherit her. It speaks about a husband inheriting a wife. So if husband inherits his wife, then why doesn't he inherit the damages which were owed to her? The same way if she owned a diamond, I yarshin the diamond. So if she was owed damages, I should yarshin the rights to collect. Says the Gemara, there's a big difference. He was talking about kofar. In other words, if the woman was killed by the muad ox and it were kofar, that's where he doesn't get it. Why? It could, by definition, is only paid after death. Therefore, it's only something fit to come to her. It's a prospective asset. The big Allah is, is that even though you yash in the wife's estate, you only take things that she owned, not things that she had potentially would be able to get. So even if that potential was there, but if it if it wasn't considered by her, then you don't inherit it. In my time, what's the difference? That because of the pasuk we're showing. The insight is that the kofar only comes after the victim dies, which makes sense, right? That's the the mechayv the kofar only comes then. So memela, that's therefore as a din of ra'oi. If it has a din of ra'oi, you don't take it after death. So if it would be regular damages, let's just try to understand. Let's say the woman stomped someone. I don't know. Let's say uh, injured the woman and she was owed money and then she died. The husband would collect. Because there, the, the, the debt was there, Mechaim. Whereas here, by Kaifer, the very debt itself only comes La'achar Misa. That is a din of Ro'i, only prospective asset. And therefore, he doesn't inherit it. So Zaklamar, is that really true? I mean, Zaklamar, Rabbi Kiva, does Rabbi Kiva not say by damages that the husband doesn't inherit it? Ma'atani, look at this price, huh? He goes to each of that person strikes a woman and there's a miscarriage. Notice in Nezek Sarlisha, so you have to pay damages and pain to the woman. 
The baby will also bow. The value of the fetus goes to the husband. In a bow, notice in the yarsh, if the husband is not alive, the damager, then he, what does he do? He, 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 he does not. Um, so in a bow, and instead, the damager would give the value to the yarsh, into his yarsh. In the yarsh, huh? But the, the, if the woman's not alive, so then he gives it to her yarshim. Meaning, if the woman's not alive, then she is owed the value of, let's say, the, the nezek or the tsar that she got. So it goes to her yarshim, not to her husband. Now, this is the big question we see. Even by damages, it does not go into her husband. She was a maidservant who was recently freed. So therefore, the child that she had was from, also, was from a, a, a slave who was recently freed. She was a convert that had the child from another convert. So now both of them die before damages. The damager just holds the payments. Why? Because there's no yarshim. That's the coolest part. There's no one in Herod, right? No one's here. Okay, but I'll go upon him from the first part of the price as a kasher. The first part of the price is said if the woman dies before she collected her damages, her husband doesn't inherit it. We were just trying to say it's only by kofr that he doesn't inherit, but other damages he would. So how come over here he doesn't inherit her damages? Grusha, the bride is talking about a divorcee. Therefore, he's not inheriting her damages because he's no longer married to her when she died. But if they were married at the time of the death, he would inherit it. We're talking about a divorced woman. Says the Gemara, Amri, Grusha, Nami, If it's a divorcee, shouldn't, shouldn't the value, shouldn't there should be a division for the value of the offspring? In other words, if he's not married to her, he shouldn't have the only rights to the offspring. Let's just try to understand. What's the shot that a husband gets rights to the fetus? Right? He gets the full that. The shot is Tom because it's his child, he impregnated her. L'chair, the Gemara thinks it's also because he's married. Mm-hmm. If they are divorced, then L'chair, the divorce, the, the woman, she should get half and he should get half. It's his kid, but it's also her kid, right? It's in her womb. But L'chair, the Pshat, why the Torah says that the husband gets the full value of the fetus is only because they're currently married. But if they'd be divorced, it should be split. So if you said the case is she's divorced and that's why she's getting the full damages and her yarshim and not the husband if she dies, so then if we're talking about a divorcee, how come the husband gets full dibs on the on the fetus, I'm our papa. No, it's not true. It's got nothing to do with marriage. Even if he has beer with her out of wedlock, he has exclusive rights to the payment because he is the father of the child. It has nothing to do with the fact that he's married to the woman. My time, how do we know that? The Torah says Baal Isha means he gets it because he slept with her, not because currently he is married to her. So therefore, therefore, since it has nothing to do with being currently married, even if it's a Grusha, we have no problem. Says the Gemara, why don't we just explain the price a little bit different? What do we do? We, we said that we're talking about a divorced woman, right? In order to explain why, why when she dies, the husband, the husband is, um, is not inheriting her damages. Why don't we say, according to Rabbi, we're talking about a case after death of the woman, the court collected payment for the damages in cash. And according to Rav Nachman, we're talking about where, where, where it was collected from real property. What does that mean? What we mean to say is that even, what, 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 what's our big point? It's only kofar, which is roi, which is a prospective asset, but other damages is considered owed, is considered there, and therefore uh, the husband would, would, would inherit it. Says the Gemara, it's not so simple. It's not so simple. When you're collecting on a debt, it's also something which was only potential asset. Let's say for sure if you collect cash, but or if you collect real estate, we find the machlokas about this. Dalmar Rabbah, in, in the case of Rabbah, is talking about when a firstborn, a firstborn inherits the double portion, but also only. The double portion is not on a prospective asset. It's only on something which was currently by the father. So what's considered by the father? Let's say someone owed the father money and the Yarshim collect on it after death. Does the firstborn get a double portion? Same type of question. Is that Roy or is that Muxik? So Rabbah says, Gavu Kaka, 
If it's from real property, then the firstborn has a right to it. Why? Because property has a shibud. So the lien was really there, was as if it was by the father. If they collect money, then that's considered raw. He doesn't collect. Rav Nachman says, opposite. If they collect in cash, then, then we view it as being in the possession of the lender before his death. Real estate, not. Okay, hard to understand what exactly that svar is. He says, when you get cash, it's considered cash for cash. So if you give me back cash and I let you cash, it says, if that money was always by me. Very interesting svar. So if they collect cash, it says, if that was always by the father. If they collect harka, they're not. So Uncle Ponim, what do we see? Rabba and Rav Nachman could each re- explain the bride. So I was talking about a woman who was married at the time of her death. Rabba will say the damages were collected in cash, so that is Roy. And Rav Nachman will say it was collected from real estate, and that's Roy. So the Gemara explains, Amri, Hanimilib, Nehrava, Libid, Rabbanan. Rabba and Rav Nachman are only going according to the statement of the Rabbanan that a debt could be considered Roy. But we're going, when we said the price we're talking about a divorce, we're going like the opinion of Rebbe. Rebbe holds that an outstanding debt is always considered owned by the deceased. It's considered mochzik. No matter what you collect, you collect karka, you collect money, it doesn't make a difference. The debt was owed. So therefore, according to him, that's always considered mochzik, so the husband should have inherited it. So what's the pshat? We had to say it was only a divorce. So let's just make a summary of this really last point that we had. We had a drasha. We had kofer that was owed to the woman. And then she dies. Who does it go to? It does not go to the husband. It goes to her yarshim. What's the pshat? Doesn't her husband inherit? The pshat is kofar is only owed after death. So that's only that's only a prospective asset. It's not something he, she had. Therefore, the husband does not inherit it. The Gemara, though, says if it would be regular damages that was owed to the woman, then he would, in fact, inherit it. Says the Gemara, that should be complicated. Is debt really owed? Is really by you? Not so simple. It depends, maybe it depends what you collect. Not always so simple. The Gemara says, Rebbe always holds it's very simple. Debt that is owed is as if it's in your hand. Whatever is collected, it is yarshins by a husband, or if it be a firstborn, he would take a double portion. So in the prize that said that he does not inherit his, a uh, 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 husband is not inheriting the damages from his wife, you have to say it means from a woman who became divorced at the time of her death.